My life fades. The vision dims. All that remains are memories. I remember a time of chaos. Ruined dreams. This wasted land. But most of all, I remember the road warrior. The man we called Max. To understand who he was, you have to go back to another time. When the world was powered by the black fuel. And the desert sprouted great cities of pipe and steel. Gone now, swept away. For reasons long forgotten, two mighty warrior tribes went to war and touched off a blaze which engulfed them all. Without fuel, they were nothing. They'd built a house of straw. The thundering machine sputtered and stopped. Episode 110, Mark reliably tells me, of Dude and a Monkey, uh, official podcast of filmrank.co.uk. Uh, my name's Ian Laurie, and as always, I am joined by... Matt Foster, hello everybody. Nice one. Um, so yeah, it should be a pretty jam-packed show coming up today. Um, main review's going to be, obviously, uh, George Miller's Mad Max Fury Road. Um, did we like it as much as pretty much everybody else on the internet season two? You'll find out. Um, also, we're going to do some what we're watching, uh, what we've been watching, which is basically uh, usurped one old, one new as uh, our kind of um, middle section of the show of choice thing. Now, that wasn't very eloquent, but uh, <laughs> and uh, also uh, we'll also talk some trailers. And I've watched a load um, over the last couple of days, so um, God knows how long that session's going to take. Yeah, either, but, um, I've, then, I've watched a lot as well, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Um, Oh, being on holiday kind of does that for me, I suppose. I'm usually quite lax with it, but yeah, I've just ate through them. And um, we will finally finish off the Police Academy marathon <laughs> with uh, Police Academy 7 mission to Moscow. Fine. It actually feels like we've been doing that since the start of the year. It's like it's the start of the fucking show. <laughs> yeah, totally, man. Done it. Done it. Um, and uh, also, just a, a note as well, if I'm less sweary than I usually am, it's because I'm actually re- uh, recording this out on a, uh, my mum's back patio in uh, in Spain. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm kind of 
everybody else is more within earshot than usual, so uh, forgive me if uh, I'm not my usual uh, uh, liburious self, let's just say. So, um, at Ian Loring, at DudeFoz, at DudeTheMonkey, DudeTheMonkey at gmail.com. I will do some Twitter questions as well. Um, Mark, anything you want to... Um, discuss before we uh, crack on uh, no no everything that's kind of happened in the film world has been bullshitty bollocks stuff like heels at cans and Simon Pegg talking bollocks and they retracting his bollocks out innit? so it's all been pretty boring hasn't it yeah I mean we, we've actually got questions somewhat related to that so we might get to that later on anyway but cool. um Alright, cool. So, yeah, I haven't really got anything to say. So, um, alright then, um, what might be a bit of an extended uh, trailers section? Mark, hit me. Uh, first one I, uh, well, I, I'm going through in order on the, the trailer site that I use. Uh, we Are Your Friends, um, the upcoming Zac Efron movie. Uh, he plays a, a, a young aspiring DJ. Um, who also seems like him and his friends want to do that, you know, get rich quick uh, and have to do as little as possible and have as much fun as possible kind of ideals. Uh, and he seems to be the only one that's actually got any talent to get anywhere near doing that. Um, it's one of those ones where it, it, it looks a little bit waffy and a little bit bollocksy and a little bit like it's trying to be this year's Magic Mike, despite the fact that we have a this year's Magic Mike, it's a new Magic Mike film. Uh, <laughs> but, um, Zac Efron over the past couple of years has proved to be quite a charismatic leading man, so... I, Normally, I was looking at thinking, this doesn't look very very good, but I really like Zac Efron. So, you know, I, I'll watch it. Yeah. I, I mean, I the stuff that was doing at the start of the trailer with the uh, the visual, yeah. like the visual representations, and I, I was a little bit, I'm not into this at all. And that, that whole thing about increasing someone's heart rate to get a reaction out of them. It's like, I'd love to see on what actual basis of reality that is based on. Yeah. Even if it is something EDM DJs do, it's balls. <laughs> it's, 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 it, it, it could literally be replaced with how much E people have taken that day. Yeah, and, and also, in fairness, that feels way too scientific for a DJ day. That like that it's all supposed to be in the music and getting the right blend of things. It's mm. not. I need to start this person's heartbeat off at one two five and raise it to one two eight. And also, by the way, one two eight doesn't sound like that much of a leap from one two five. No, they should just go all the way and say, "I want it to be six hundred beats per minute." Yeah, I, I, <laughs> just... I, I, I want. I want somebody to actually physically <laughs> die in front of me. That's how fucking good I am. Exactly, exactly. That would be amazing. I imagine that this is one guy going, she's all right, this is. And then going, this is a bit good, this. Oh, I really enjoyed myself. No, I want a guy to be going, I literally couldn't dance any fucking... Nope, gone. It's basically crank with EDM music. Like, somehow he has to keep his body from not blowing up despite listening to these fat beats. Yeah, I, I did like the bit where it's the opening bit of the trailer where it's them sort of doing a bit and he's going about being a DJ's oh, this and everything like that and then it cuts to a yeah. shot where it just goes boom and there's like two people at this party that they're at. I did think, ah, yeah. so you've maybe got a little bit of a sense of humour about yourself. Yeah, perhaps. And also, by the way, I just said EDM music, so electronic dance music music, obviously. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that, that, it looks like it might be a bit Mickey-takey, and I'm kind of intrigued to see Wes Bentley actually be in a somewhat 
lead role in something. Like, yeah, he was in Interstellar. He's a strange actor, is Wes Bentley, isn't he? But I could see him maybe actually being, like, Calvin Harris in 10 years' time or something like that, you know. Um, or, or like Mark Ronson, like at that that kind of stage. Yeah, I, I could see him doing that. And it, I don't know. I mean, like, what's he been in lately? I mean, yeah, he was in Interstellar, but spoiler alert for Interstellar, he dies like when the film's about halfway through. Yeah, he, he, so he's his on screen time maybe totals maybe fifteen minutes or something. Fifteen like minutes, that. maybe. Yeah, yeah maybe a, a, a push. Uh, he, he tends to swim around a lot in those straight to fucking. Straight to VOD and straight to DVD, that kind of a- a- area where where you'll find like Cuba Gooding Jr. and Christian Slater, he tends to be around there, which is strange yeah. because you know he he's a he's a good actor. He just he had those years in the wilderness, didn't yeah. he? Like when he was having like problems and it, it just kind of killed him. But I mean, good luck to him though, and I, I hope he's good in this. I, mean, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not going to be seeing this one in the cinema. No, but I, 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 could, I doubt I'll like, see the cinema. Yeah. I mean, I could easily see myself watching this um, on on Netflix or something like that. Like no problem. It looks like it looks like the storyline's going to be generic as all hell. And that comparison to Magic Mike, I think, is a very good one. So let's hope it's got a bit of style and a. And a decent sense of itself, like Magic Mike did. By the way, just briefly, I, I watched that feature trailer of Magic Mike XXL. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that just I my my interest level is dissipating rapidly, mm, and I really well. really hope the film. I really hope that film is not what the trailer is advertising. I like it. Just it seems like it's something for hen nights now. Yeah, it is. Which which which, which is. I mean, I saw Magic Mike at the cinema twice as well. Um, and, you know, both times I was there and I was probably the only guy there. But the idea, if with Magic Mike that they've got behind, is that this is a, this is, this is a film for women is fucking way off the mark because guys really liked that movie. You know, there, there was a lot of genre fans that took that movie under their fucking wing. The thing is, though, you know what? If that is their aim with this film, and they have that they said that this one they're trying to make more fun and whatnot, then you know, absolutely, one hundred percent, fair enough. I'm not gonna, uh, you know, if, if if that's the audience they're going for, and if that audience likes it, good yeah. on them. Yeah, you know, and at least at least it's probably going to be a quality version of that sort of film. It's just not one that I am particularly interested in actually spending money to go out to see. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree on that. Uh, next one I've got is the uh, the teaser uh, for the Steve Jobs movie, which is just called Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Which yeah, is a yeah. shitty title. I know it's because Jobs was taken, but they could have come up with something better than going just Steve Jobs. There's a quick mm. better title. Um, you pointed this out. It, it, it looks... I mean, it's Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle is usually very, very good. Aaron Sorkin is usually very, very good. Michael Fassbender is usually very, very good. Seth Rogen, again, is usually very, very good. All the ingredients are there for this to be a very, very good movie. I've just got a sneaking suspicion it might be a little bit of this year's Foxcatcher, where... Everyone expects it to be really good, and it arrives, and everyone goes, yeah. Some people think it's very, very good. Others think it's not so great, and it ends up just kind of happening rather than 
creating massive fucking waves. And you point out the fact is that there's a definite Irish lilt to Fastbender's job. I actually voice. don't. I think that might have been Noel. Um, in no. fairness, yeah, yeah. I, I, no, and I, I know it's one of you mentioned it. There is a little bit of an Irish look there, but then again, it it, it literally is a minute's trailer, a teaser where nothing happens. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it just it kind of feels like very studio. Let's get all these prestigious people together. Let's get a bit of a wild card in there by throwing Seth Rogen in, and we'll see what we can come up with. You know, um, it it it, I, it feels. It, to me, it kind of feels like one that Michael Fassbender is doing more for his career than for passion. You know, I mean, weirdly, I mean, Christ, he seems to have more passion for Assassin's Creed. He's producing that, um, which actually, and also it's directed by the guy who directed Snowtown, which I wasn't a massive fan of, uh, but directed uh, the new Hamlet as well with Fassbender in, and Fassbender yeah. and Cotillard are both going to be in Assassin's Creed. I'm intrigued by that. Going back to Steve Jobs, which is the film we're talking about, um, it just... It feels like it's very much going to be, you know, released in October. It's going to get a fair bit of acclaim, but people are just going to be like, yeah, it's as good as you think it's going to be. That's about it. It, it doesn't, I don't know. I just don't feel like there's anything that's going to push the boat out. I like the structure of Sorkin's script. Uh, that, you, know, you know, it's like, it's basically three separate acts based on three separate, I think it's separate unveilings of Apple projects. Yeah. Um, so it's like, I think it's the, the first Mac and then maybe the Mac 2, the one that w- went really, really wrong. Wrong, yeah. And then the iPod. Yeah. And the thing or maybe is, the iPhone. With, 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 um, with Sorkin Attack, you know he's not going to go for general biopic. He's not going to go for this is how blah and this is, it won't have that kind of structure because that's kind of what everyone expected with the social network was you know it, it was tarred with that facebook movie and then what we actually got was actually a, a really fucking interesting and really kind of taut kind of dramatic thriller essentially which mm. you could see this having kind of leanings towards that and of course there was at one point you know it did seem like fincher was a possibility he he was going to direct but then i think fincher thought this is a little bit on the nose i did the social network and then if i do this with sorkin it's a little bit like mm. and then you know and then there was a few people attached to it and in the same you know there was a few people attached to the lead mm, mm. this is it it kind of feels like a film that's been willed into existence because of the Aaron Sorkin script and the subject matter and it, it's been a little bit like shoving parts in there. I think Seth Rogen's always been attached. Yeah. Um, but, you know, beyond that, I, I just... I mean, we'll see. I, 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 I don't, like, the, the vibes are basically nothing, you know? Like, I think it's already... I think it's all been shot and you just heard nothing about it from the set or whatever. It just... It, maybe they're just keeping it a close set. I, I just... I'm not... I'll, of course, I'll go and watch it, but I, I'm... I'm I'm, I just, it feels to me like it's going to be a four out of five, it's going to be fine, and we're going to get plenty of other films that are going to blow us away more in this year. Exactly, yeah. I, I don't think it's going to be bad, but I don't think I'm going to come out of it going, holy fuck. Yeah, I mean, of course, we're all we're basing this on a, on, on a Mitch teaser, which is kind of inherently ridiculous, but yeah. just the, 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 the way the film's been set up as well, I just, I'm not, it's not one I'm really vibing on. Mm. Uh, my next one is The Intern 
the unhappy Robert De Niro uh, thing. Uh, I, I, I really, to be honest, I shied away from watching this trailer because I read a brief kind of synopsis of the film and then read that it was it was by Nancy Myers who has made some terrible movies. Um, and then I thought, no, I'm gonna have to fucking watch it. I, I, do you know what? Yeah, I thought I think it looks all right. It, yeah, that, so that, do I, actually. that looks like the that looks like the sort of films that De Niro should be doing, where mm-hmm. he's he, he, you know he's playing a guy who in his in his late sixties, early seventies, who is doing something slightly alien to what you'd expect somebody at that age to be doing. You know, he can play that role really fucking well, and it, it as well. It, it, it does look... He has this look where, in the trailer, where he looks like he's actually invested in it. Whereas you do get some De Niro films recently where he looks like he, he literally is just there to collect a fucking paycheck to buy another fucking office building in Tribeca. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah, no, exactly. I, I, I don't know, and points for the fact that it looks like he and Anne Halfway aren't going to have any romantic interest relationship whatsoever. Yes. Good stuff. And the sporting cast look all right as well. You got that guy from um, from Girls and um, was it from Girls? No, no, um, it, from Modern Family. He's Andy in Modern Family. I can't. I think he's in Pitch Perfect as well. Yeah, he was. He was um, in Pitch Perfect and yeah. Workaholics, I think. Yeah, Workaholics. That's yeah, that's the thing I'm thinking of. Um, you know, and I, I like him, so that should be some solid comic comedic relief support. You know, I. Um, I kind of hope they don't go down like Robert De Niro gets, like, diagnosed with some terminal illness or something, yeah. you know, or, or Anne Hathaway does, you know, wouldn't that be a setup for the book? So I'm hoping they don't go along with something like that. But um, it's going to be intriguing to see where the moments of drama actually yeah. come with this, uh, based on the fact that the trailer already kind of says that they don't have that testy relationship and they kind of end up you know, getting along with each other. So I think there must be something else that's going to come down the pipe. But um, I'm kind of intrigued to see what it is. Uh, yeah, I I like the trailer. If there's nothing else out that week, I'll probably go and see this. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll be the same, yeah. Um, a new trailer for Crimson Peak. Uh, very much up for Crimson Peak. It looks... It, it's Del Toro doing gothic horror. I'm, I'm very uh, much excited for it. I Yeah, I am as well, obviously. I will say the... There looks like there's a lot of CG scares. Yeah. That's a touch. I'm, I'm hoping they're just putting a lot Concerning. of those into trailers so they can go, look, this is the big horror movie for October. To get the oh, people, no. to get the people who, who don't give a shit, don't even know Guillermo Del Toro is, to go and see it, as well as the people who really want to see the new Del Toro. Mm. I mean, the, the the kind of the story and what exactly is going on with Tom Hiddleston and Jessica Chastain has me kind of more intrigued than the, mm. the, the scary stuff does at the moment. But, I mean, like, that poster alone, uh, you know, I'm in. Yeah. I, I, that poster is so good. But, um, it's very nice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, man. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm obviously very excited. The film did nothing to lower or raise my hopes. Uh, my next one is Gem and the Holograms. I didn't um, see this. I meant to. I've heard it's an abomination. It, utter bullshit. Utter, yeah. utter bullshit. It, it, it is as far as I'm going. I, do, you know, do you know how bad this looks? Even I don't think I'm going to watch it. <laughs> that is how I shit it looks. I need to watch this. Um, wow. 
And the final wow. one that I've watched uh, is Minions, the third trailer. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm so fucking out with this film now. Oh. Yeah. So um, yeah, your problem with Minions. My problem with Minions. Uh, yeah, it, it, I'd like it if it was just the Minions. If it was just Minions going around doing little Minion adventures, adventures. Yeah, but I don't need them. Minions come to Britain and try and steal the fucking crown jewels. That looks like it's gonna make me go. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> I actually think this is going to be the funniest film of the year for me, personally. Um, I love the trailer. It's all... Uh, him in the hot tub with the two fire hydrants. I know, I know, I know how childish it is. It makes me laugh. Them about to be hung, and then they just do tricks through the, 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 the rope. You see, all I'm, of that... I'm, I'm really, really up for that. All of that is fine. It's just the other bits that are, gonna, that, that are just making me go, I don't care. The thing is, I don't care about the other bits either, but the other bits are going to be bloody, you know, I mean, to an end. It's going to be all about Kevin Stewart and Bob. Yes, I know their names. Um, <laughs> and it's going to be loads of really fun, silly, silent comedy. I am up for this, and I hope it makes $50 billion in its opening weekend. Uh, yeah. Uh, do you know what? If it does, I hope that that is the thing that kills the idea of doing a Despicable Me 3, because nobody gives a fuck about Grimm. No, and nobody wants... Yeah, that's weird that Despicable Me 3 is still coming. Nobody wants it. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it'll happen. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'd be surprised as well. It'll I, just it, be millions it, too. The, the, well, the thing is, though, I mean, well, it could be, but it could be Despicable Me three and Minions too. Yeah, but then the the, uh, the, the the thing is, those Minions are everywhere. They're 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 on they're teetering on the edge of it being too fucking much. I'm still alright with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that bit as well, where they're all dressed up as the woman. And then the, the the one just like lifts up the chest area, and it's just the two eyes staring out. I, I I mean yes, I'm I'm Captain Defender of Haunted House two, yes. so you know Which obviously I my and didn't my... talk about last week. That film's fucking awful. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. But it's also got Cedric. Can I ask a question? It's got Cedric the Entertainer as well. He's amazing. Well, but, I, I actually know. watched a film with Cedric the Entertainer in. But this week that we talked about later, which was fucking strange. Um, so did I. The, it's not the one that I think it is, is it? I don't know. We'll find out later. Is um, it the one that I talked to you about? No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, but yeah, the the doll bit, the constant fucking of the doll bit. Did you start to get a little bit worn down by that, or did you find? Uh, be, to be fair, I actually fast forwarded it through it. It was one of those things I can imagine where. It's well, actually, no. It's not funny to start with, but then they just keep on going for so long that it actually kind of becomes funny. Um, no, I, I, I actually fast forwarded through that bit. I, that bit went on way long. Yeah, it, it, but I was what's I was what's thinking. I, I really hope he was on his own while he was filming this. I hope there wasn't other people there having to witness him doing this. Oh mate, you know the key grip was loving it. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's it. I'm, I'm I'm out for trailers unless there's something I've missed. I've got two Go more. Um, drunk wedding. Drunk wedding. No, not... Yeah, this this was on Trailer Addict, which is the site I use for trailers. It's actually the worst trailer I've ever seen in my life. 
Like I'm I'm, I'm serious. Like, after this, I dare you to watch the trailer for Drunk Wedding. I, I'm, I'm gonna. <laughs> what is it? it? It's it's basically it's like the trailer. They set it up like it's a found footage film because they say from the producers of Paranormal Activity. And like, so you got like the in the the kind of the cinema audience reactions type of thing, and then something happens and people all just start laughing, and then it's just, it, it, it it's just shots of chaos at a wedding with a camcorder. It's but I mean I don't know. I mean it's Project X meets. That's out on VOD uh, 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 to, on, on, on uh, Friday if you want to watch it. Yeah, there you go. No, I don't. Um, it, it's just, it's, no. And um, I watched the, the trailer for Pan, um, which just got moved from this summer to October, which I think was a very good idea. Um, yeah, I totally don't need to find out where Tiger Lily came from or that Hook actually wasn't a bad guy at the start and then there was actually another guy, bad guy called Blackbeard. But obviously something happens to Hook through the course of this film that causes him to resent Peter Pan. I, I, it's Joe Wright. That's literally all I'm holding on to here. And now, actually, some of the imagery looks looks interesting. I, unless this game gets good reviews, there's no way I'm touching this with a barge pole in the cinema. But, you know... I'm thoroughly in the... Hopefully it will be good, but, I God, these trailers aren't inspiring anything. Anymore. No, I, I, I'm thoroughly in the... I can't even be asked to watch a 2 minute and 45 second trailer. <laughs> It's just, uh, oh, God, like, he, he's not actually called Peter Pan. He's called Peter, but he becomes Peter Pan because he's got some sort of bat, pin badge with pan pipes on it, and apparently that's a sign that he is the chosen one that will uh, defeat the pirates. And it's, uh, why? Yeah, it, it just, yeah. It's not... I, it, it, I, it, I don't know. It, 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 I, Origin stories, man. I mean, it, it, they're, we don't, they're we don't need a fucking Captain Hook origin story. No, I, I, that's the thing. It, 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 I don't know. But if the if the reviews are good, and hey, it is Joe Wright. I like Joe Wright. I like what he does. So ridiculous, Yeah, phone's going, man. That's accidentally clicked on Pam <laughs> the trailer. Oh, and got a thing for head and shoulders apparently. Yeah. Uh, Fuck you, YouTube. Nice. Uh, yeah, I'm done. So, yeah, should we move on? Yes, let's, let, let's, let's go. Let's get furious. Yes, indeed. So, uh, we're going to have a clip from the trailer, or a clip from whatever Mark wants to do, from uh, Fad, uh, Fad, Mad, Fad Max Murray Road. Um, <laughs> uh, directed by George Miller, and uh, let's have a clip. of gasoline, just like you asked. My name is Max. You said a few vehicles in pursuit. We count three war parties. Yeah, well, I got unlucky. My world is reduced to a single instinct. Survive.
exist in this wasteland, hunted by scavengers. What are you doing? Praying. To who? Anyone that's listening. You're sitting on 2,000 horsepower of nitro-boosted war machine. You want to get through this? You've done this before. Many times. What a day! What a lovely day! Okay, so Mad Max Fury Road is uh, directed by George Miller and co-written by him, uh, starring Tom Hardy, Charlie Spiron, uh, Hughes, Hugh, Keith, I don't have the thing in front of me. Hugh Caseburn. Hugh Caseburn, there you go. Rosie Huntington, White Lee, Zoe Kravitz, and uh, a bunch of other people. Uh, oh, and Nicholas Holt. Nicholas Holt. Yes, indeed, uh, which I, I actually shouldn't forget because he's quite a good part of the film. Um, okay, so uh, Fury Road sees Max uh, basically not encountering any other being um, in uh, what looks to be a very long time given his beard length. Um, he is chased down by some war boys and finds himself taken captive um, in the Citadel. Uh, by um, Immortan Joe, played by Hugh, I can't remember his name again. Um, the action kicks off when um, Furiosa, played by Charlie Spron, one of Immortan Joe's most loyal lieutenants, suddenly uh, goes off-piste and uh, veers off on a mission. Uh, everybody goes after her, including uh, Max, who is tied to the front of a war boy's uh, vehicle, and uh, it basically goes on from there. Um, Mark, Fury Road. Yeah, well, we were... I mean, everybody was really fucking excited by, you know, just the idea of a new Mad Max film, especially seeing as it was George Miller with a fucking budget. You know, we knew it was probably going to be, an, you know, an R-rated movie, and Tom Hardy fits the fucking bill, and the trailers looked amazing, the posters looked amazing... And then you started to, you know, all the buzz was amazing. And then you're hit by the fact of, holy fuck, what if I don't like this? And then 30 seconds into it, I was like, yeah, that ain't going to be a fucking problem. Uh, it's really, really, really fucking great. It's just, yeah. it's such a, it, it is, without question, it's a guy making a movie that he's had in his mind probably since since he came up with the idea of um, of Mad Max. So you're talking nearly 40 years. And 
had the opportunity to make it, the technology and the funds to make it, and has made just this utterly glorious, wonderful, mad genre B-movie that is part revenge, part chase, part post-apocalyptic, part whatever you want to throw at it, it kind of fits that fucking bill. It's great the fact that we've is used the character Max, and he's not because in like Mad Max, the first Mad Max, he's Mad Max because he's pissed off because Toko has killed his wife and his family. In this, he's Mad Max because he's mad, he's insane. It's that it's using the character and saying, Look, this is the same character, but it's kind of not the same character. It and it works so well, but we don't get a big backstory, we just get this is Mad Max, here you go, here he is. This is the thing. I mean, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I just want to get into the discussion. Yeah. So I say I loved it as well. Um, so this is the thing. People have been complaining that Tom Hardy's like a passenger in this film. But I mean, I was listening to an interview with Miller, and it is, I, I kind of just got this anyway, that he hasn't been around people in years. Yeah. So he does start off as a passive observer, and then kind of turns into someone who's very much out to like save his own skin and then turns into someone who empathises and, and actually actively wants to help people. You know? So, yes, he is an observer for a lot of the film, but that's because that's what his character is at this point. He's not someone who's going in and taking charge. He's obviously a broken man. He got the, um, the, the, the flashes to his, what well, I'm assuming is his dead daughter. Yeah. Um, you, know, you know, so obviously some time has passed since he's been in contact with with anyone he's like you say he is mad and it's this that kind of like they say in the film that is bringing in redemption you know so i i don't see why people have a, a because everybody a, else likes it and people way. don't like people to like nice things well yeah i mean I, the, the, the the thing is i mean i think it comes from a place where you know if you're not actually being actively told this stuff then it can cause a problem for people. Like it's, it's a film that does its exposition mainly through visuals and action, and that's a very brave thing to do. And also as well, it's very brave to go. This is the new Mad Max film. It's the first Mad Max film in what thirty odd years, and here you go. We've got Tom Hardy as you know playing Max and everything like that. And then sits down and goes, oh, by the way, he's not the lead. Charlie's Theron's the lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He's not quite a support. He's not quite a support, but this is this is her story. This isn't Max's story as such. Max is there on somebody else's journey, which you know is from what you gather is going to be the kind of idea behind this 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 new incarnation of Max is that he's going to be there on other people's journeys but it's not well, to be, in fairness I will say yeah I think you're about to say what well, I'm sorry go on it, I think yeah, you're about to say what it, I was going to say it's not too dissimilar to Road Warrior and Beyond, Beyond Thunderdome yeah you know, totally I mean in, in Road Warrior Mel Gibson barely fucking talks yeah. I mean, it, it, is, it, it is striking I mean you often forget that and so you rewatch it and you go shit he really doesn't talk in this movie he just he's he's not proactive he's reactive to everything mm-hmm. 
And, and that, I mean, that's he, what Hardy brings over. And he certainly is in like the second half of the of, uh, Beyond the Thunderdome when it turns into Hook. Yeah. I mean, it is basically him reacting to everything going on around him, whereas the first half of the film he is taking charge, you know. And so and that's the thing. There is legacy with it as well. I mean, it, it, it would be intriguing to have the point of view of you've never seen a Mad Max film before. You've just got this... What do you take? You know, what do you take away from it? But watching the other three beforehand, I mean, it, it does flow nicely, and there yeah. are some nice references as well. Yeah. Just before I forget, the shotgun fizzling out. Yes. Just like in Road Warrior, that was perfect. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, and there's other bits, uh, even sort of like technical bits. The, the bit where he's he's trying to escape from the what is it, guys? And you've got it's it's. The 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 the, uh, the film's slightly sped up, so the running's a little bit jolty and things like that, and that, that's very reminiscent of of Mad Max, the first mm. film. They mm-hmm. say there's no there's no big kind of uh uh remember remember, but there are sort of like quite subtle nods. And another great thing about it is is the the majority of it is fucking daylight, and so it's light. Oh, yeah. Miller's not afraid to go. You know, and there's not a lot of real sort of choppy editing. It's here it is. We're showing you this now. Fucking look at it, and you're looking at it going, holy shit! I am actually seeing a load of fucking junkyard vehicles racing along a sparse fucking desert, crashing into each other, and you're actually seeing that. It's not, it's not fucking laden with with CGI. Where you're looking at it going, this looks amazing, but in the back of your mind, you're going, but I know it's false. You know, there is there is some CG and there's some very nice CG in it here. And CG's great. It's easy just to slag CG off. But there's a there's a fucking there's there's more depth everything to these this realness to it. it. It adds to the complete mania of it. And that is what is brilliant about this film is there's a fucking an absolute madness and mania and insanity to it that is so brave not only from a filmmaking point of view but from a studio point of view as well to essentially I was, I was accept gonna, i was gonna say you've got to imagine what, what the execs at warner brothers were thinking when they were watching the dailies mm. you know just like what what is this you know and it, it's just like look you're just gonna have to trust george miller he just made the studio an awful lot of money with the two happy feet film just let him do what he's doing and it'll all be okay. And then it turned out it was all okay. You know, I mean, it just, and the fact that, you know, from the very first teaser, it's basically been looking like it's balls out action. And that, that is what it, what the film is. You know, I mean, it, even though, I, I, even though I will say it's not, it, it is a little bit pedantic of me, but it's not quite the like two hour long car chase that some, people had been saying it is mm. but i had in my head that they were literally going to do all the talking and exposition and whatnot while they're on the move yeah and it, it's... it does stop a few times um yeah yeah but, which isn't a problem it isn't a problem no it, it is but i would say of a two-hour runtime, you've easily got at least an hour and a half is is action oh yeah i'd say three quarters of this film is action yeah. without Without hesitation, and for it, sure. And it doesn't feel repetitive either, which is, which when you think about what the action is, it fucking, it really should, but it flies by. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, they, they mix it up with the locations and the amount yeah. of people involved in like, whether it's close quarters or fairly wide open things. Like, I mean, they, they do really interesting stuff. I, I will say my 
this doesn't affect my like five out of fiveness for the film at all. But one thing I would say is that I was kind of sad that for me the most visually arresting sequence happens like at the end of the first act. Um, the the sandstorm sequence was the holy crap kind of sequence of the film for me. It's lovely, as you said, yeah. It, it's just like the image of like the red and the swirling and the people just flying around. Yeah, the, the, it, essentially yeah. the tornado forest. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, it's electric and it is cinema. Yes. You know, and it, it, I mean that—that's the thing, and it just it it gives you faith that cinema is going to be okay. That sounds like hyperbole. But genuinely, with all the people saying, like, oh, TV's the new cinema, and, it, you know, like, cinema can't cut it anymore, and other things are taking cinema's attention, uh, like, fo- uh, the focus away from cinema. You get a film like Fury Road, which is made by a guy, like, who was in his 60s when he was making it. I think he might be 70 now. And it, it just, it, it is awe-inspiring. And it, it's refreshing in, in the most refreshing way. It, it, it is the ultimate hangover dump of cinema. Yeah, it, it's it it it, it, it literally it, it puts a fucking bag over the head and strangles to death anybody who says, "Well, they, you'll never get a film like that made again." Uh, yeah. uh, fucking, we have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it feels it feels like it's in the vein of a film like Sorcerer, yeah. where it's just like, you know, obviously a much larger budget. And, you know, a lot of tech available, but just like, right, you're just going to let them, you're just going to give them a bunch of money and just let them go mad and just see what they come up with. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay, then. Well, okay. Let's see what happens. It feels like that. You know, if it, it feels like if, they, if, there, if there were some suits on set, they'd be going, you're not doing that. Just like Friedkin with the um, uh, going over the bridge sequence in Sorcerer. Yeah. It, 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 it's got that. It's got that sense of danger. Like, I literally was watching this film thinking, how are people not dying making this? I I think it's one of those where it's almost like there's there's one studio exec who has gone, no, we're doing it. If it goes cataclysmically cataclysmically wrong, I will take the fall for it. But I am putting my neck on the line for this. And then he sat there and they've all gone, do you know what? Occasionally, you have to say, fuck the balance sheet, this is going to be fucking fun. I mean, this, I mean, this is Warner Brothers. I mean, obviously, you had Jupiter Ascending a few, uh, a few months back, back as well, which was also co-financed by Village Roadshow Pictures. Yeah. And it, it, it just, it kind of feels like they will just let filmmakers just, like, swing for the trees. And sometimes they'll miss, like, Jupiter Ascending. Um, even though I don't think that bombed quite as dramatically as it maybe could have. It, it didn't bomb uh, quite as dramatically as it could have, but it, it, it made just shy of its budget. And then you've got to encounter marketing, so... Yeah, you, yeah. That film... That film's a flop. There's no... Yeah, I mean, we're, we're... Go on, sorry. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I, yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, and Fury Road at the moment is, you know... Fury Road will it's still got to open in a lot of markets and it, it, it's chasing its budget already yeah exactly it's probably going to be over 200 million by the end of this next weekend the budget was 200 million plus so it still has a ways to go 150, but the, 150 budget so, I, oh, I where are you getting that from 
Wikipedia and Box Office Mojo it listed at one. Oh, well, okay, it's Box Office Mojo saying it. Like Deadline was saying two hundred million plus, but that's obviously then in hyperbole, like usual. Um, so okay, one hundred fifty million. That thing's probably going to be in the black. Okay, so you know, worldwide. I mean, just the good thing as well, it's well reviewed. You know, I mean, like, if you look at next week, you've got the Poltergeist remake and Tomorrowland, which are both looking like they've got pretty middling reviews. You can see Fury Road holding um, fairly well. Well, Fury Road um, uh, is actually... Because, you know, it, last week they made a big fucking thing that Pitch Perfect made more money than it. It, it would appear, uh, if you're working off uh, midweek figures, that uh, Fury Road's going to jump it to number one spot. Oh, for like the whole week? Yeah, in the States, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, yeah, so I can see Pinch Perfect 2 being very front-loaded. But, um, oh, yeah, without question. Whereas this has got a lot of word of mouth. Yeah, that that's the thing. This actually does have word of mouth, and I can see people going to see it for a second and third time. Like, if I didn't have a kid, frankly, I probably would see it a second time at the very least in the cinema. Especially considering the fact I saw it in 3D and I took my glasses off halfway through and just thought, I really wish I'd seen this in 2D. Well, it, was, but it, was, I, it, it was interesting timings. as well that, that Miller basically said, you know, I'd advise people to go and see it in 2D because I envisioned it in 2D. Even though he's now, he, he then said somewhere else that like he's fine with people seeing it in 3D and that the 3D adds quite a lot to it. So I wonder if like the studio were a little bit like, couldn't track that for us, could you, George? You know? yeah. but, um, and he's gone, oh, uh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, so, I mean, the 3D was useless. I And the thing is, I took, my, I took my glasses off and I was into a four-pack of beer in the cinema and it was blurry, and like towards the end, where it's just going mental, I was just like, this is kind of adding to it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's just a joyous film. It, yeah, it, yeah, it's, no, it's totally. everything that I, I want it to be, and I, I cannot wait to see it again. I might even go to see it again. Um, I, I kind of wish that it was... Uh, that, I, I wish in some way I could have snuck Isabella in to watch it so I could have an excuse to oh, go watch it again. Because yeah. she'll love it. Um, and mm-hmm. and what it's got a few swears in it and a little bit of you know a little bit of violence but fucking hell come on. Um, you see Commando should be fine. It's fine, yeah. I, I, I've got to say as well, like I know this has been off discussed, but the guitar player, oh, oh my god! But the the best moment of the film for me is when they're all chilling out. It's when um, Max and Furiosa decide to go back to the Citadel mm-hmm. and they're going back and they're, they're, everybody's chilling out. And a guitar player's in some PJs. And then, like, he's literally <laughs> in, in pyjamas. It's, yeah, in a hammock. It's yeah. amazing. And as soon as he hears old right, we're off again, he just jumps straight up on his bungee <laughs> thing, just gets on his guitar and just starts rocking out again. It is amazing. The fact that Imperator Joe actually has his own theme music going through <laughs> the film. It's just, it's the best. It's, it, yeah. And the, the imagery of, of Max just disappearing into the crowd and you go, there's nothing, you, you don't need to do, that That there proves you don't need to do something to set up the next movie. Just have you wanting more of a character. You don't yeah. need to set I... the fucking story. Just go. And he goes off into the crowd and you go, I want to know what he does next. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing is, the next one, it, Miller's said it's called The Wasteland. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that, that's it. That's it. it. It's kind of... 
you know, they've already said that there is, you know, Miller's said that he's got an idea for another two. Harley said he signed on for four, and they've both said it all depends on how well Fury Road does. I think it's one of those where even even if it doesn't make quite as much as sort of double the budget, like 300 and odd plus million, I still think they'll go, do you know what? We've got the fucking word of mouth now. We can do another one. I would be very surprised if we don't get another one. I, I yeah, I, I, I know what's happening. I think I, it just it is, and yeah. uh, you know, I, yeah, totally. And I've got to say as well, I mean, Ferong is very, very, very good in this. I yeah. mean, that that moment where Max, like, like Max, kind of first encounters her, and he's got his gun pointed at the girls, mm. and she just looks like she wants to rip him apart. Yeah, she's almost like snarling at him, and it, it it just like it was some of the best non-verbal acting I've seen in which, I don't know how long. Which which maybe came from the fact that if you read into it, apparently they didn't really fucking get like on. Each other. But then again, then again, yeah. Charlize Theron, let's be honest, is regarded as being a little bit of a terrible person. So yeah, and I, but I mean, I think Hardy's got a bit Hardy's of a reputation. Hardy's got a reputation for, for being well, yeah, so where. It's... It, it, it can be he can be quite difficult to work with. Apparently, he's a lovely guy from mm. somebody that I know that's that's worked with him um, doing a charity thing, and he, he's lovely. But then again, you do hear when you hear a lot of stories from a lot of sets that he can be a little bit funny, and he can be a prickly person when you see him in interviews. Uh, mm. You could imagine that them two could quite easily butt heads. Yeah, totally. I know, absolutely. But I mean, it, it works on screen. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I, I, I don't know. I mean, like even the, the plot had some surprising stuff to it as well. I mean, the fact they they killed a pregnant lady. You know, it's like, oh wow, didn't yeah. actually didn't see that coming. No, like, I kind of, I was kind of thinking like, oh, she's not going to be dead, and then they're going to mount a rescue mission to save her. Okay, then. And it's like, nope, cut her open. I want to try to save the kid. Oh, she's dead. Oh. The kid's dead. You know, it's just, it's, wow. Yeah, I mean, it is one of the most definitely not shit movies we've ever done. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, Day One Blue. Oh, well, watch it. Yeah. I will watch this a lot. Yes, yeah, yeah, it will be a frequent watcher. Mm. Aces. Okay, I forgot I was hosting, sorry. <laughs> uh, okay, so, uh, right, okay, let's have a break for some promos, and then we will be back, and we'll do some, uh, what we've been watching.
Hello. Yeah, hello. Oh, man. You're 5%, bud. You can't get it in the UK anymore, but you can't Spain. Oh. <laughs> I'll tell you what, as well. Heineken, a 33-cent-litre can, 54 cents in the supermarket by my mum's. Fucking hell. 54 cents. Cans of, like, um, Amstel, like 35 cents. That's insane. <laughs> It's ridiculous, man. I tell you, like, oh, supermarket lager over here is insane. I mean, even the Budweiser is like 80 cents. Um, so it's still like for a four pack, it's like under, a, well under a fiver, which is great for Budweiser, you know. It's just, it's, but yeah, like literally you could get like 12 cans of Heineken for like six euros or just over six euros. <laughs> He's mad in it how much we get ripped off. Uh, it, uh, insane. Absolutely insane. Anyway, we good to go? Yeah, yeah, good to go. Got, got like a clear hour and a bit, yeah. So um, I don't have to be done till half eight, so... Um, oh, yeah, I've got to be done for what time is it now? For... Ooh, I've got just around about an hour. Yeah, cool. Okay. Like, li- li- or specifically what time, bud? Just so we can... Um... Uh, around just after seven, about... 7 seven fifteen would be all right, right? Okay, cool. So 50 minutes. All right, cool. That's fine. Okay, so... Right, we are back, and we are going to do some what we've been watching, and uh, I want you to kick us off. What, what's the Cedric the Entertainer film? I'm kind of intrigued now. Oh, uh, the Cedric the Entertainer film is one I'll come to later, actually, uh, because I, I, okay. I, I, I've got... Mine kind of have a... There's a chunk that have a theme. Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, and I'll, I'll get to this. I'll do. I'll do the ones before I have the theme. I'll do a couple, and then I'll let you do a couple, and then I'll do a couple, and we'll do it like that. I think. Okay. Um, I watched uh, Open Windows, the uh, Nacho Bigalonda um, film starring Elijah Wood, Sasha Grey. Um, and I won't say what's in it because it, it might kind of ruin the surprise, I suppose. Maybe. Um, Who the fuck it, else is it? It's. Uh, oh, I forgot to say it. Neil Maskell. Oh yeah, from Kill This. Yeah, yeah. of course it is. Uh, isn't it? Um, it's 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 an incredibly. If any film was a was a modern kind of genre film, it, it's this. It's it's one of those films where if you're you, you've seen, it, haven't you? Yeah. Open Windows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'm sure you you recommend it to me. Um, uh, well, I I recommended it as in you're the type of fucking bellend who would like this film. Did you did you not like it? Well, no, I mean, I, it, it's sleazy as all shit, and it's ridiculous, <laughs> but it's really in your wheelhouse. Yeah, um, and the thing is with, with it, it, it's one of those things where if you think about it, beyond actually processing what visually you are seeing, if you go, if you ever at any point join open windows, ask yourself the question of, how does, that's it, it will fall apart. It will <laughs> just how does yeah it will fall <laughs> apart like wet toilet paper it is ridiculous yeah, yeah. so you've yeah. got to just accept the fact that that this is a hundred minutes where you've got to look at it and go just fucking enjoy it and for a hundred minutes i watched it really on a saturday night. i started watching it at like maybe one in the morning on saturday and was like this is great I'm re- I'm really enjoying this. I'm enjoying Elijah Wood essentially be unintentionally sleazy because he's getting forced into being sleazy and just being quite nice and Sasha Grey being a bit of a bitch and, you know, proving that actually she's actually quite a good actress and 
all these mad things happening where you where like I say, if you start to think about it, you'd go, oh, come on. But in the framework of this movie, it works really, really well. And it's just, oh. it's an enjoyable ride as you're going along with it. I mean, it just, it starts off kind of intriguing. It just gets so beyond the rail. And my, my suspension of disbelief just couldn't work yeah. on this. It's, <laughs> by, the, by the time it's like 3D imaging her in the trunk is yeah. that something that happens yeah that yeah happen. it, it like and Wait a just minute. like zoom into that bit there is that a human foot you fucking you fucking saw that wow <laughs> it, it's i don't know it's, it's bollocks but i enjoy, it's enjoyable bollocks it's like he has the skills of deckard in blade runner where he's got that photo and he's just like he sees that thing in the photo it's like how the hell is he seeing this but he kind of like magnifies it and whatnot and he sees the um uh the the the, the, the woman in the corner and what it just it's it's through the reflection in the in the in the mirror it's just how are you doing this but elijah wood can do it but then again you know that there's twists and things twists in and that so, film yeah. i i so. thoroughly enjoy that it is it, it is a, a fucking fun movie um uh, another one I watched wasn't... Well, I did watch that, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, the Courtney Cox's directorial debut, uh, Just Before I Go. Um, really, really good cast, actually. Uh, Sean William Scott, uh, Olivia uh, Thaleby and Garrett Dillahunt. Uh, Rob Riggle turns up in it. Um, David Arquette turns up. Uh, and a lot of other sort of people where you go, oh, it's that guy from that thing. Um, okay. story is um, Sean William Scott uh, plays what he claims is just an unremarkable guy um, his wife has um, left him uh, wife's played by what's in it, Elise Cuthbert and she's literally in it for minutes right, which isn't oh. a spoiler, she's in it for minutes and that is it uh, she leaves him and basically says it's because he He's never going to achieve anything beyond what he's achieved. He's got no spark or anything like that. He's just he's just happy to coast along. So what he decides he's going to do is he looks back and works out the points in his life where, where he lost his spark, what caused him to just accept mediocrity. So he decides to go back home and correct these things before killing himself. And that's what he's going to do. That actually sounds interesting. Is it good? Uh, yeah, it is actually really quite good. It is, at points, it gets a little bit too... It, it, it tugs on the fucking heartstrings a little bit too much. But it's always got this great comedic backbone. I mean, he goes back goes back home and moves in... Or lives, he's moving back in with his... Um, his brother, uh, his elder brother, who's played by Garrett Dillahunt, who is now the chief of police, but is just not a bad guy, but and he's not like the the big brother who you know he's taking the piss constantly at his little brother. But it's this great thing where I'm not even aware, but he decides that. Um, Said, you know, to the, to, the, to the rest of the family, and he's got a young son and an older son and a wife that, that there's something not quite right there. Uh, and he's saying, Look, y- your uncle Ted's moving in with us because, you know, your Auntie Penny is uh, is a cunt. <laughs> and, <laughs> and 
it's like, it's like, uh, I don't, yeah, it's like, I don't think they said, from now on, the word penny's banned. You need to replace the word penny with the word cunt. And the, 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 the youngest kid goes, so what if I go to school and I've only got like some pennies to spend? He says, you're allowed to, you, you can't refer to them as pennies. You're like, you've got to say, I've only got six cunts. I'll write you a note or something and give the teacher. <laughs> and it's just, and this continues throughout the film. This is Garrett Dillahunt saying Garrett this. Garrett Dillahunt is... He's okay, that's interesting. His okay. comedic timing is is just magnificent. And just the way that it's explained that his, that his wife clearly doesn't really seem to like him that much, the ways that that is explained are magnificent. Um, the way that... I'm not going to go up too much in it because I don't want to give it away, give bits away. The way that Sean William Scott is introduced to Olivia uh, Thirlby is brilliant. Olivia Thirlby also proves in this film that Olivia Thirlby is what people think Anna Kendrick is. You know, everyone mm. thinks Anna Kendrick is this really nice, sort of sweet girl next door and everything like this. And actually, she comes across as being a bit of an arrogant, terrible person. Olivia Thirlby is that person, and she should be in everything, because she's wonderful, and she is great in this, and even Rob Riggle doesn't go over the top, um, it's not all about Sean William Scott's character, it's, like I say, there are bits in it where it goes a little bit too on the nose, and it gets a little bit too heartfelt, and anything like that, but overall, it's a really solid 95 minute American indie film and Courtney Cox handles the drama quite well but handles the comedy really well and there's bits where you think oh it's going too much in a schmaltz here and then Garrett Dillahunt will say something and you'll go that's fucking brilliant there's there's so many great lines you know during the big emotional bit where Gary Dillahunt just says something and it just, it fucking slices through it that is just amazing. And it's supposed to be like that. It is, it's well worth a watch. Yeah, you convinced me. I'm going to watch this. Yeah, it's, let's say, it's 95 minutes long. It breezes along. It, it's R-rated and there's a lot of kind of good R-rated humour in it. But it kind of has a point to it. And not everybody, because sometimes you get these, um, these sort of, mid-budget, low-budget kind of, you know, I spoke about one last week, um, the Adult Beginners, which again, I, I really enjoyed, but the, they sometimes feel a little bit there's, there's some snark or nastiness to them, and there isn't in this. It, it kind of almost feels a little bit kind of grounded in in some element of reality, but it is it, it's very good, and I, I, I would actually recommend it to people just for, even just for Dillahunt because he's just magnificent Nice. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm very intrigued. Cool. I'll let you. I'll let you get a few out now. Okay, man. So, um, yeah. I mean, well, I watched the Mad Max trilogy last week. So uh, I, I, I do yeah. as well, but I'm not actually. I was yeah. actually going to talk about, it, but I did as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to talk about that either. So, um, yeah. So I watched that. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, do, 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 do. Um, I. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to talk about this. Uh, Chris Rock's top five. Um. Uh, which got some really good um, word out of, I think it was Sundance this year, and uh, came out in uh, uh, the US and the UK. It came out in the UK a couple of weeks back. 
And uh, basically the story is uh, Chris Rock is uh, a comedian, Andre Allen, who started up as a stand-up and uh, has basically found himself kind of reduced to um, uh, kind of shitty films. Um, so Chris Rock. He's just started... Essentially. Um, so, yeah, he's he's kind of best known for playing somebody, a, a bear cop in a bear suit called Hammy, uh, in which he stars along with Luis Guzman. Um, <laughs> I'd watch that. <laughs> yeah, there's actually a clip from Hammy Free, which is uh, pretty solid. Um, so, yeah, and he's just released a new film, Uprise, which is his kind of break into serious acting, which has coincided with his... Uh, uh, start of uh, sobriety um, and basically it picks up it's the opening weekend of the film and also that weekend he's due to marry a uh, reality TV star they've got, got played by Gabrielle Union so he's um, you know he's he's kind of getting off a jet and there's a camera right in his front face and he doesn't really want to do it the Gabrielle Union's just like you know I've got to do this for me do this uh, you know do this for my career and he, he's kind of putting up with it um, he's due to be followed around by a New York Times journalist played by uh, Rosario Dawson um, and but, uh, for the day as a kind of a profile piece and uh, basically they start chatting and um, it's kind of about his day and uh, his relationship with her kind of evolves in some ways but you know, there's, a, there's actually a few kind of twisty type things in in, in it as well. And it, it's essentially kind of an autobiographical kind of thing, but with fictional elements. So it does feel like Chris Rock basically kind of in confession, um, but with some elements that are obviously kind of made up. But, you know, there might be some elements of truth to them as well. Um, so it's basically him going through this, through... Uh, essentially kind of 24 hours or so in his life, but uh, interspersed kind of flashback sequences as well. Um, one of them is one of the most entertaining things I've seen in quite a long time, and it involves Cedric the Entertainer kind of making a cameo as a as a promoter for one of his stand-up gigs. Um, and it involves some hookers, and it's amazing. Um, I love Cedric the Entertainer. I love him. And I don't, I don't know what it is, but I love him. I love him in a Haunted House 2 and Haunted House 1. Uh, he just, he really makes me laugh. Um, so, yeah, there's that. But the thing is, it's basically a guy um, writing this from a place of privilege. The film's produced by Jay-Z and Kanye West. <laughs> For fuck's mm, sake, you know. So, you know, so it's... Uh, and yeah, it was kind of like an indie film that played Sundance. It's very, very odd. Um, yeah. So it's got this kind of indie film sensibility where a lot of it is Chris Rock and Rosario Dawson walking around New York. But you've got Jerry Seinfeld and Adam Sandler and Whoopi Goldberg making cameos as themselves. Um, Jerry Seinfeld's actually really good in it. He's only in it for a couple of minutes, but he's really good. Um it's just a weird, a weird mishmash between mainstream Hollywood and independent cinema, but it works. And it's because Chris Rock's got quite a, a, a truthful, authorial voice in this. Um, a lot of the kind of discussions he has, it kind of feels like he's going for Woody Allen at times. Like the start of the film is kind of a cold open where it's um, Chris Rock and Rosario Dawson having um, uh, a conversation about um, uh, black people getting a cab. 
Um, and then later on, it's um, him talking to her about um, how the Planet of the Apes is um, all about all about race. And if it wasn't for the Planet of the Apes films, then Martin Luther King would never have been killed, um, <laughs> which is an interesting theory. Um, and so it, it's got this kind of like monologue kind of Woody Allen type thing there. But it's also got a lot of very knowing things about pop culture today. Um, and it's just, and it's also really entertaining, really, really entertaining. I laughed a lot watching this, uh, but at the same time, it felt like he was getting into some truths and exercising some demons. Um, and then, and the ending is pretty spot on as well. And it's, it's, it, I don't know, it's really interesting. If if I have a couple of quibbles with it. I would say that the, the films within the films, like the clips of the films that he's in, do just look a bit too parody-ish, which is the point. But they they look too silly in in their kind of shot placement and whatnot. I know it's a weird complaint to make, but like the the, the clip from his Uprising film, it's basically him with a machete running towards the screen and screaming. And it's like, yeah, I, I get the point. It kind of would have been better if you, you actually tried to make this look like a serious film mm. instead of just pointing at the audience and saying, this is ridiculous, isn't it? You, it so there, there, there are minor quibbles like that I have with it. But yeah, I mean, the chemistry between Chris Rock and Rosario Dawson is, is solid. Gabrielle Union actually... She's not just the, the bitchy TV, reality TV star wife. There's, there is some character to her. Not a lot, in fairness, but there's one conversation she has with Chris Rock, which is great. And I, I really enjoyed this. I really, really enjoyed it. It's a lot of in kind of in-the-moment type stuff. Like there's um, an extended section about people talking about their top five rappers. And, uh, you know, Tracy Morgan is just chatting about his top five rappers and it feels like it's Tracy Morgan. He's playing a character, but it feels like, yeah, this is probably just Tracy Morgan actually telling his own stuff, but as this character. Um, it's, I, I can't recommend it highly enough. Nice. I'm, I'm, I'm actually really quite looking forward to watching it, to be honest. Mm. Might even give cool, it a go man. tonight. Yeah, yeah. Nice. It's, it, it's, yeah, it's, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, it, it's one of those ones that could actually crack my top 10 at the end of the year. Like, that's how much I enjoyed it, kind of thing. Probably won't, to be honest. It's one where it's in there for the first half of the year, or probably be gone in the second half, but that's, that's no criticism. Um, okay, so I also watched um, Lost Soul, the doomed journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Oh, Moreau. Yes, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to giving this a go. Is it worth it? Um, yeah, so this um, I, I spotted it randomly on Google Play, um, and I just bought three forty nine for a standard death copy. Why not? Um, that's a rent. That is. Um, so yeah, it's all right. It's all right. Uh, basically, for those who don't know, uh, the island of Doctor Moreau is one of the most kind of infamous bombs of the nineties, both both critically and commercially. I think. Um, what had happened? Richard Stanley directed the uh, cold director, directed um, the Hardware and Dust Devil. Um, uh, basically got a bunch of money together to do the island of Dr. Moreau um, and uh, had a cast originally of um, Marlon Brando, uh, James Woods and Val Kilmer. Um, problems happened, basically, and uh, Stanley left the project. But what's interesting about the film is even though Richard Stanley's name is in the title, only about the first half of the film actually deals with his time on the project. Oh. Um 
so he actually buggers off for a while. He comes back because infamously, like he was told to get off the set and never come back, and they'd give him his full fee if he just didn't come back. Uh, basically, some crew members find him smoking weed and hanging out with people in the forest, uh, like weeks into the shoot, and they say, you've got to come back. And he's like, how? And they're like, well, we'll just make you one of the extras. So <laughs> they give him a costume, and he's just wandering around on site, set as an extra. And there's a bit where he's actually given like a flaming torch by a, a by a crew member and told to light something on fire. And he's just like, I could have actually blown up the entire set, <laughs> and I wanted to. You know, it's it's crazy. So he comes back and then talk about that. But like the second half of the film is basically John Frankenheimer comes on. They don't have much dirt on John Frankenheimer. It's interesting there. Kind of trying to paint him as a bit of a bad guy, but. Like this one story this one crew member has there's another crew member with him he's basically yeah John Frankenheimer he was a freak yeah I remember once I uh, I was sent to send a script round to him and uh, I went round to his house and I knocked on the door and he comes out and he's just like points a finger at me he's like you're late and then there's like tumbleweeds <laughs> and even the other guys looking at him and it's like they, it, they, they almost can't just before he went that was a rubbish story <laughs> and that's like, it's like the worst story they could find on him. It's really, which, it's weird. And which, which, which kind of you, you makes you think, well, was he late? Because if he was, that's not even a weird response. Th- th- this is it. This is it. It's just like this guy. To be fair, looking at him, he probably was late. <laughs> um, so I mean, that's the thing. Like the film, its thesis seems to be that Richard Stanley was the visionary behind the island of Dr. Moreau, and if he was kept on, it would have been amazing. Richard Stanley at one point talks about how he actually genuinely got someone to do witchcraft to make sure that the film went well. Um, and then he, then he then says that the person who did it then died, and then suddenly everybody who had ever, ever, ever had anything done by, by this witchcraft doctor suddenly went wrong, and that's when it all went wrong for him. <laughs> no one challenges him on this at all. Um, there's a story about Richard Stanley basically spending a day up in a tree and refusing to come down. Feruza Bulk's on the screen happily challenging that. It, it basically, and most of the things that people are basically saying is like Richard Stanley is a lovely guy, just he, he wasn't a leader in men, he couldn't do it. There's never any active challenging of what Stanley himself is saying. There's plenty of challenging of the things that people are saying against Stanley. And what doesn't help is that they're always talking about, like, the vision he had for the film and, like, the script ideas he had. And they were amazing. But they never say what the actual ideas were. They say that the film was retold once Frank and Ima went on board. But they never really say what it was originally. So it, it's that that's a problem. It feels like a very a film with a set point of view, but not even that great at explaining its own point of view. Yeah. Uh, but the onset stories are really entertaining. Um, you know, just the, the stories of Marlon Brando basically being mischievous and asking for all sorts of things before he'll actually act. And Feruza Bolk's talking about on uh, like the fir- her first day with him because Marlon Brando was late because his daughter died. So that, that was one of the problems that, that affected Stanley as well. By the time he was on it, Frank and Ivan was on it. Um, and Feruza Bolk's talking about how they were waiting for Brando. Like, Brando's nearly here, Brando's nearly here. 
and then she just sees some commotion and someone being carried in the distance and they're like what the hell's going on and riding along and here's Brando she's never met him before most of the cast haven't met him and he's entirely in white makeup being carried by people <laughs> and then just starts doing his lines and they're like what the hell is this and you know there are stories about um how uh, one one of the, one of the actors in the film is German guy. He was like originally uh, Marlon Brando's sidekick, and he's talk, talking about how basically all his lines were given to the, this free, the, the world's smallest man, who Brando just took a shining to and said he's a fascinating man and he should be on screen more. Give him, give him all the stuff this other guy was supposed to do. And Brando had matching suits made for him. There's there's a brilliant shot. Have you you've seen the Iron Doctor? I have right? seen the Iron Doctor. Right, yes. But I saw, I saw that, the cinema. Jesus Christ! I, I mean, know. there's that mental bit where Moreau is playing piano, and then on top of the piano is the world's smallest man playing piano on a miniature piano, dressed up in exactly the same clothes above the piano, <laughs> and it's just. How has this happened? And it's basically how Brando. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It can all be explained by the words Brando. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, you got Val Kilmer as well. It was originally gonna. It was supposed to have David Fewless's part, um, but then he said, "I want forty percent less lines where I'm not doing the film." Yeah. And uh, it, so they basically shifted his character onto another character. And that's, a, that, I mean, you know, you don't get Val Kilmer on screen talking about it, obviously. But I mean, some of the stories about him are amazing as well. But one of the key things as well, they're interviewing this guy, Rob Morrow, who played David Fulis's part at first. So they're interviewing him quite extensively. And it's like, oh, yeah, and then he left. And they don't even mention by name who took on his part. Like, David Hewless, he's on screen in film clips. They don't even mention he's in the film, and he's not interviewed. And it's it's really weird. It's just like the film has its agenda, and it doesn't even pay lip service to anything else. Like, Feruza Balk's on screen extensively, but it's basically because she's defending Richard Stanley at every single turn and saying the only reason why I continue to do the film is because my agent said to me, they will make sure you never work in Hollywood again. <laughs> So it, yeah, well, no, quite, quite. <laughs> I, it, it, exactly. I mean, now she's narrating beyond clueless. Um, so it's... It, 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 the thing is, it's entertaining just in terms of a what can go wrong on set kind of thing. And Stanley himself is a really interesting character. Mm. Um, but it, it just it doesn't, as a whole documentary about the unmaking of a film, it just doesn't work as it should. Yes, it's more a lot of fun stories, but it's not doing what it says on the tin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I I, I, I was mildly disappointed, but I still had a good time watching it. I still kind of look forward to watching it just to hear the madness. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I recommend that for sure. Um... Um, I've actually only got one more anyway. Um, I don't know, maybe I should just rattle that off and you carry on. Yeah, you can if you want, yeah. Yeah, may as well. Is that all right? Yeah, that's fine, maybe. Um, yeah, so my uh, my last one for the week was uh, Doctor No, which um, I'm doing for the first part of the... Uh, sorry, my mum's just trying to... Stand. I'm sorry, mum. <laughs> um, um, 
yeah, sorry, uh, Dr. No, which is the uh, first part of my um, uh, Bondage, Bond Through the Ages series for uh, Film Rant that I'm going to be starting uh, this week. The first first part will probably be up by the time this is up. Uh, so, yeah, I watched Dr. No, uh, directed by Terence Young, and uh, I don't have too much to say about it. It's weird. The last time I watched Dr. No, I also watched it when I was in my mum's place in Spain three years ago, because uh, <laughs> I was going to... It was really weird, because uh, I, I watched it over here as, again, and... Um, I, I, I wanted to go through all the Bond films before Skyfall, and I made it as far as Thunderball and then just gave up. Um, so, and I don't know why, because I really like them. So um, I just thought, you know, if I'm actually going to write some articles, I'll be, like, proper on it this time. Uh, the, the thing about Doctor No, which makes me laugh, is that if you were watching it entirely out of context with the rest of the Bond films, the, the main title sequence is mental. It starts with the, 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 the you know, the, the white dot kind of going along and then Bond coming along and then shooting it and then yeah. the, the thing falling down. And then it's just like a load of dots flashing all over the place, say 007. And then it's just like silhouettes of people dancing. And then a Jamaican version of Free Blind Mice with silhouettes of blind men following each other around. And it's just, it's the, I mean, Boris Binder did a lot of the title sequences. He did this one. It's mental. It's, it's such a weird opening for a film. I mean, it's been a um, long time since I watched Doctor No, and I don't remember it being that mad. Like, literally, if you just think of it as there's never been a James Bond film before, it's the weirdest time <laughs> you'll ever see. Um, it's like the James Bond theme's playing, and then suddenly it turns into a Jamaican version. No, no, it's, 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 it's drums and stuff at first, and it turns into three blind mice. It's so weird. Um... But uh, yeah, no, I mean, the, it's also I, I didn't I didn't really remember that Doctor No actually only turns up on screen when there's about 25 minutes of the film left, and the climax is actually quite short, uh, where it's basically Bond sabotages um, the the base, and then he has quite a brief fight with Doctor No before boiling him in like nuclear reactor water. And he basically, the, the whole place is being evacuated anyway. He just runs off with Honey Rider, jumps into a boat, punches a couple of guys, and goes away. It's a really weird ending. And that, that, But a lot of the rest of it is kind of Bond detective work and contains an amazing moment where he discovers that a secretary of... Um, uh, of the, the kind of the branch of MI6 in Jamaica is a turncoat. But he kind of knows all along, really, you get the sense. Mm. And he invites himself up to her house, um, where she's basically going to have him killed, um, has sex with her, and then um, <laughs> calls what, what she thinks is a cab, but it's actually like just MI6, shoves her into a car, and just sends her on her way. <laughs> and it's just... It, I, I, the, the, I mean, obviously the sexual politics of Bond are incredibly complicated, but it, it just, you would never get anything like that anymore. And if you did, people would go mental. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a product of its time. It's over 50 years old now, but it, it, it's still, it is still entertaining. Sean Connery is fantastic. Um, the, 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 I don't know, the, the cinematography is really interesting. There's like... a a lot of purple in the background in Doctor No's base for no reason whatsoever, which I particularly enjoy. Um, and that's more production design in space. But, um, and it, it, it just seeing Bond going around and, you know, 
having spike poisonous spiders put in his bed and him having to deal with them and things like that. It's 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 a fairly low key open, like opening, but a lot of it's filmed on location in Jamaica and it looks great. Um, it just it's a fun time for an hour and fifty minutes. I'm already kind of looking forward more to From Russia with Love, which contains the amazing bit where two women have a fight over a man at some sort of Eastern European party. Um, that, that bit always sticks in my mind. It's a weird series to spawn. Yeah. Um, but, but it's also got the bit where... Um, Bond and Red Grant, played by Robert Shaw, are just having a really tense conversation over dinner and then a train carriage and you know both of them know that, that they're the ones that they they're the one that they need to kill basically and it, or at least red grant knows it but bond doesn't and it's fascinating stuff but anyway uh yeah dr no I'll, I'll have my article up and um yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to the series so uh that with that i'm uh, i'm done so go on Mark. cool i i will get into my uh, my unofficial uh keanu reeves a thon that i had over two days uh which started on sunday afternoon with uh, the 1994 film speed um which it's been a long time since i've watched uh speed and the bus that, that could, could have, have slowed, slowed down. down. <laughs> Fucking anytime I say speed, my brain does automatically change to that. Um, yeah, and it's, like, it's probably been oh Christ, maybe coming up fifteen years since I watched Speed, um, and it's a really strange film, Speed, because it's. So fucking good. It is just absolute. Very similar to what we were saying about Mad Max earlier. It is balls out entertainment all the way through. Uh, the last twenty minutes of Speed are not good. It, it as good. They're not as good. No, but they still. And that was the bit I was dreading. Was I remember that going? Once you get off the bus, it really takes. It really takes you out of it. But it didn't this time as much as it had done before. I was, you know, probably because I was watching it on a Sunday afternoon and it was it was bright outside and I was glad that I wasn't outside in it, that I was inside watching Speed instead. I just had a really good sandwich. And it just all fell into this. Do you know what? This is a fucking great movie. Keanu Reeves is brilliant in it. you got Sandra Bullock, you know, introducing herself to the world, and she's adorable and lovely and everything like this, and then you've got Hopper just being Dennis Hopper, and all of these things mixing it together, and you can... It's great that this kind of, you know, we'd had Point Break a few years before, but this kind of launched, um, you, know, you know, Keanu Reeves as a viable leading man. You know, it's very easy to forget the fact that, that you know, retroactively look back at Point Break, but it was... the what sold Point Break wasn't as much Keanu Reeves, it was more um, Patrick Swayze. Swayze. Uh, was what sold, what is it? You know, he still wasn't being taken seriously at this point, um, Keanu Reeves, as a viable A-leading man, or being as an action star. Um, and this kind of propelled him into that. Um, and it, is, it really is one of those films where if, if people have not watched it for a number of years, go back and watch it, because it is ridiculously entertaining. Um, and then after nice. that, I watched a film which wasn't as entertaining, uh, made a couple of years later, uh, the 1996 movie Chain Reaction, uh, where he plays a uh, a machinist who helps um, work on a, a fusion reactor, uh, a, hydrogen, a hydrogen fusion reactor um, with uh, Morgan Freeman, and then people start... Have you ever seen this? 
No, Rachel Go Weiss on. is in it, isn't she? Rachel Weiss is in it back when that time where Rachel Weiss was, oh, you're pretty. Yes, I am, aren't I? Oh, fuck, you're English as well. Yeah, oh, come over here then. Uh, yeah. that's, that's, that's what it kind of was before she actually started having personality uh, within, within these movies. I want to say, don't watch Chain Reaction. It's not one you need to rush out to watch. Uh, I enjoyed it as a bit of entertainment in the middle of this little kind of marathon that I got on. But I'll be honest, it, it's Keanu Reeves. Essentially, they build this fusion reactor and then people start turning up dead and Keanu Reeves and Rachel Vice uh, are getting framed for essentially blowing up this reactor and levelling eight blocks of New York. Uh, Freeman's and, the wrong one, isn't he? And Freeman is kind of the wrong, but he's kind of, is he wrong or is he, how wrong actually is he? And, you know, Brian Cox, he's the real wrong. And it, and it it's... Professor? No, um, Hannibal. Uh, uh, I'm Brian yeah. Cox. It's it's uh, it it was entertaining within the context of how I was watching it more than on its own is what I'll say. Um, then I moved on to The Devil's Advocate, which is always fucking fun because oh, everybody loves The Devil's Advocate because that movie is two hours twenty five minutes of utter fucking over the top madness. Um, it's so. I watched this on a Sunday night and it is such a great Sunday night movie because it is just it's Pacino embracing his late nineties Pacino uh, and just being but he's the perfect role for that late nineties Pacino. Exactly, yeah. yeah it is yeah. so that you know, Taylor Hackford's making it, trying to do you don't know whether he's trying to do something kind of uh, poignant and you know, mix bits of the source material with, you know, you know, the idea of Paradise Lost right down to the idea of actually calling the devil John fucking Milton, which is so on the nose, it's ridiculous. And then it just ends up being this just complete ridiculous fucking devil um, parable that is amazing and then you get to that end scene where he's trying to convince his two children to fuck which just is even more weird <laughs> that adds all into it it is it is over the top ridiculousness that just works on every fucking level and the fact that you've got you know reeves character essentially just accepting the fact that his dad's the devil really easily and saying, you know, you did this, you did this, and then Pacino's devil going, did I? Did I? Did I? Did you really take that much fucking convincing? No, yeah. you fucking didn't, did you? And it, it really kind of going, oh, fuck off, you've got me there. Yes, I didn't. Who's, who's the other woman? It's uh, Charlie Thrones, his wife, Charles, isn't uh, she? It's uh, Connie Nielsen's the other woman. God, that's right. Yeah, um, and, you know, it's like, meet your sister, who, you know, you want to fuck, and you're going to fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of like, it, right? It, is that weird? Have they worked out that's weird? Is it weird? Does it, is it not weird? Because, that's, you know, it's the devil's two kids. Does that stop it from being weird? 
still weird. Is Jeff, Jeffrey Jones in it? Is it weird that I'm liking Jeffrey Jones in it based on what I know about Jeffrey Jones? Or does that fit <laughs> the fucking movie in some kind of weird way? <laughs> you know, is, is Craig T. Nelson just playing Craig T. Nelson? Because I kind of get the feeling... Christ, that's I need what... to watch Devil's Advocate again. It is oh, man. so ridiculous. It is so of its time, but it so fucking works. Uh, it's coming out on Blue Suit. It is finally arriving on Blue Suit. Devil's Advocate is such a strange fucking movie that they had to put on the back of the VHSs an apology um, to the people who made the sculpture uh, that is seen in the um, in uh, Milton's <laughs> um, office which is just not an office, it's his apartment that happens to be an office, that later on then starts to morph into all these things and had to put a disclaimer that that um, image where it starts to morph into other stuff is not designed by the people that designed the actual sculpture. That's amazing. And that and it is on the back of the VHS, which is insane and makes no sense <laughs> but it's there i i need to watch that flick again you really do like it's batshit seriously that's one of those warner catalog ones that you know is going to be in like a free for 20 on amazon or whatever within a few months yeah and i'm gonna buy it yeah like when like when the universal catalog ones came out and Candyman literally came out and the week after was in the three for 20 <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, it's that. Uh, the Cedric the Entertainer movie I watched was... Oh, yes. Uh, 2008 Street Kings, the David Ayer movie, uh, which also stars Forrest Whitaker, Chris Evans, Common, uh, Hugh Laurie, and Cedric the Entertainer. Uh, have you ever seen this? No. Is oh, it as bad as Sabotage? It's No, it, 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 it's, it's, a, it's really fucking good, but not in a only I'll like it, like Sabotage, good way. It's actually, it's it's actually, actually really good. quite fucking good. As opposed yeah. to a Mark says it's good. Yes. Uh, Keanu okay. Reeves plays um, a vice detective, Tom Ludlow, who essentially works at Special Vice for Forrest Whitaker, who what they essentially do is they send him in to do the shit that other people won't fucking do, which is the, the opening scene is him setting up a load of Korean guys and going in, killing them all, and then planting weapons on them to make it look like they shot first when they didn't. All in the aid of rescuing two teenage twins that they are basically about to make some kind of snuff movie of online and it's that so he's a bad cop but he's a bad cop doing good things essentially it's that. Well, he's a good cop doing bad things yes it, it, it's that and he's not doing it to to make more money or anything like that it's just it's that's how shit gets fucking done and it turns out... So it's a, it's a David Ayer film, basically. It is the most Ayer of Ayer <laughs> fucking movies, and it's done by a script written by James Elroy. Oh, blimey. Exactly. Um, okay. Hugh Laurie plays a, a guy from Internal Affairs who's investigating him. Then Terry Crews is his ex-partner, uh, who essentially... It is made known that he's essentially ratting 
Keanu Reeves out, so he has to deal with that. And all this happens in the first fucking ten minutes that Terry Crews gets killed as um, Keanu Reeves' character is possibly about to fucking kill him anyway. And then shit just starts happening from there and it goes down a fucking rabbit hole where Reeves is trying to find out, trying to cover his own back while also trying to find out what the fuck happened to Terry Crews while also trying to find out what the fuck's going on with Forrest Whitaker. And it, it just gets more nastier and nastier and more and more fucking badass as it goes along. And it is... It's a fucking great movie. It really yeah, is. Yeah, right, I'll watch this. <laughs> it's, it's Aya being Aya, but it is closer to End of Watch um, style um, Aya than it is to... Um, not End of Watch style Aya. Um, yeah, it's closer to that than that. It is really, really fucking good. After I thought... How is it? How was this movie made seven years ago, and I've not watched it yet? <laughs> yeah, kind of. That's mad that you hadn't seen that. Yeah, because it, it, it is made for me. It is sleazy and nasty and brilliant. Uh, and the final one that I watched, that I say I watched, but I won't go into it. I watched The Gift as well, uh, just to finish off my little uh, Reeves-a-thon. The Gift is stupid, but actually quite entertaining. Asking of the craft, then I was like, "Why can't <laughs> No, no, I, I didn't watch the craft. Uh, I was going to go and see the gift with my sister. In this, I've never seen the gift. I need to. Um, it, it, I was going to go and see thing. it. I was going to go and see it with my sister in the cinema, and instead, I went to see Proof of Life because we like missed the, the gift. George Miller film. Proof of Life. Yeah. The Russell Crowe film? Yeah. That wasn't George Miller. No, sorry, no, Taylor Hackford. I knew it was somebody yeah, else I was going to say. I knew it was somebody else we talked about a film with that, that I remember looking and going, fuck, did he direct that? Yeah, it was, it was Devil's Advocate, Taylor Hackford, that. Yeah, not George Miller. Proof of bloody life. Yeah, that's a shit film, uh, mate. The film, then, the film then... that split up Meg Ryan and uh, Dennis Quaid. Bloody hell. But then we... Went back to my sister's and rented election, oh, and neither of us had any idea what it was. Like literally, I was like fifteen, sixteen, didn't have a clue what it was, and yeah, that was awesome. Do you know what's really weird. I watched The Gift, Proof of Life, and Election all at the cinema. Wow. Yeah, and uh, I went to the cinema a lot in those days. Yeah, so that, okay. that's it. I'm, I, I'm done with mine. Yeah, we better get on as well, because by your reckoning, we've got about two minutes. Yeah, I've got a, li- I've got a little bit of time to play with from there. Yeah, okay, all right. So, um, all right, Police Academy 7 Mission to Moscow is the trailer. After half a century of opposition, the two largest world powers have finally begun working together. But now, just when we thought the Cold War was over... Leave it to these guys to heat it up again. May I kiss you again? No, you may not. Police Academy, mission to Moscow. To kick many, many Butskis. Those fearless five from the force are together again on a mission of peace and understanding. (laughs) Because the Academy's finest will stop at nothing 
Amerikanskiej policji. Jeśli chodzi o walczenie z przestępstwami, to mamy prawdę. Mamy prawdę. Nie siedzą hooks into it because she needs the money uh, because she was going through a lot of financial problems at the time. The producers said, no, there's no place for it. Nobody wants to in the movie. We're not doing it. So he said, Bubba Smith said, no, not fucking doing it then. Unless you write her into it, I'm not fucking doing it. Oh, good on him. And he said, fine, not doing it. And they kept saying, no, you will do it. And he said, no. You know, I you know I don't need to do it. Don't need the money. No, I'm not doing it unless she's in it. I'm not in it. Good on him. Yeah. So that was the uh, it, because you've got Police Academy Seven. Yeah. Yeah. Right, Police Academy Seven. The abomination <laughs> begins. We both saw it the cinema as well, didn't we? Yep. Fucking hell. Yeah. Saw this with my dad in the cinema. I I saw it on my own in the cinema. Um. I I don't remember Police Academy Seven being this this bad. It is wow. It's really really fucking bad. It, it, it is so bad that top billing is um, is George Gaines, who plays Lassard, and he yeah. doesn't even seem to be in it that much. No, that's the thing. I mean, Lassard's story arc is bizarre here. <laughs> yeah, he. It's like, yeah, I want to go to Russia and then I'm going to sightsee. So <laughs> have me just go to a funeral and then be in this house. And then randomly, this house is also connected to where Ron Perlman would be at the end for no reason whatsoever. And then I'll arrest him. Yeah. Yeah. Give me, give me money. Yeah. It's, it's so strange because... The the script there is a like like you say there is a plot, but there's no story or actual meat to the bone. It is so flimsy, and you know Ron Perlman's fairly entertaining, but this is the hardest of all of them to watch, and it's eighty odd minutes long. Yeah, I mean it's it's brutal. I mean, and I will just continue my thought from earlier. Sorry, the abomination begins with the opening credits. Yes. The fact they changed them. Why? They changed them. They're multicoloured. What was the point of that? And also, and also, the theme tune. Yep. They kind of pad it out by repeating over bits 
so that they can get to the main bit when it says Police Academy mission to Moscow. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 yeah, it, Which it, doesn't it, it need just, to happen. No, it doesn't need to happen. It just... It's weird. It feels like a soft reboot because you've got that guy Connors in it and... He, I, and him and Claire Forlani, and by by, did you notice the disgusting foley work whenever anybody kisses anyone in this film? Yeah, it, it's strange. It literally seems like they recorded someone really viciously eating a box of KFC. <laughs> you mean you? Yeah, it was like they had me going at a, 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 at a mega box at KFC and then just put that over Claire Fulani and bloke kissing. It's disgusting. It's so squelchy. It was, yeah. Apparently during filming, um, director and uh, producer were constantly arguing about whether or not it should be more slapstick or whether or not it should be more... Um, situational based humour and it ends up being Slapstick uh, Slapstick was Paul Melansky uh, the producer Uh, whereas Alan Meta wanted it to be more um, cultural differences uh, causing the comedy and you know it's strange to look back at this because this film's like 21 years old is that this was kind of like just after the you know the end of the Cold War and anything like that and it, it was Amazingly, I think one of the first, you know, American films to be f- almost fully shot in 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 Russia post Cold War, and it's a police academy movie. Oh, that's embarrassing. I mean, th- I mean, also uh, in the opening credits, there's a scene with some newscasters. One of them's playing the game called yeah, the game, the game, and there's no cartridge in his Game Boy. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Is there not? No. Later on, most of Elite's playing on it. There's a cartridge in there. Yeah, it's... The, the, the problems start from the very start with this film. Do you know what? Uh, I, I read a, a thing about um, Ron Perlman talking about it, and he he says that he's actually quite proud of Police Academy uh, 7 Mission to Moscow because he says that what it did was, the reason why he's proud of it is because it, it, it managed to make a film so bad that it stopped the Police Academy franchise. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, exactly. And it is... I mean, it's... It's terrible. It, I mean, it's brutally yeah. bad. I mean, you've got those, like, Three Stooges-esque Russian... Yeah. They just make noises and jump around. Why? Yeah. Um, I mean, none of the actual... I mean, the only police academy member actually has anything to do is Callahan, and all she does is seduce Ron Perlman. And to be fair, it's just because she's a character that people are really focused on their looks when I say this. She's not looking great. No, she's not able to... She was teetering on the edge of being able to pull it off in the first movie, and this is ten years later. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's just because that's her character yeah. in this film. It, it that that is that is problematic here. Um, but I mean, Michael Winslow gets barely anything to do. I mean, G. W. Bailey as as Harris yeah. is just the, 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 the victim of slapstick. It just it's 
the 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 utter randomness of the Black Swan sequence. Yeah, it is just. Oh, really? Even for Police Academy, this is a new law. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. I mean, okay, fair play. They're taking it out of the US, but then the the, the jokes are just. They don't work. Uh, yeah, I, it, I, it just it's rubbish. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, this Connors guy, you don't give a crap about him at all. No. And, uh, I mean, the Clafolani's not great, and just none of the original cast members have only been... I mean, it's amazing they actually managed to fill 85 minutes, because I don't remember how they did. No, it, it is so boring as a film. I mean, but the, the ending, like, what is the ending? It's like they're in a warehouse, and... Ron Perlman runs off, and then suddenly Lassard's there. Yeah, and he, he, he's back in. Yeah, he's back at the office, at the restaurant, at the office, in his restaurant, and he's like, "You," and that's it. And I, 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 I do you know what? I only watched like three days ago, and I can't remember. It, yeah, it's amazing. I can't remember what happened at the end of it, and I only watched it three days ago. Oh, all I really remember are the closing credits where it's them on... Yeah, on horses doing tricks. Horses. Why? Yeah. It makes... It, it's a terrible movie. Yeah, I, it, I, I, I don't know. It, it's just, it's... The thing is, I mean, the, the rest of the police gallery films are not amazing by any means, but... I, they've got a certain amount of charm to them. And, I mean, the last couple actually tried to inject some elements of plotting. Mm. You know, because, I mean, like, three and four are pretty brutal retreads. Yes. Um, but you've still got Zed. Yes. You've still got Sweet Chuck in those ones. Um, so you've got things that pull you through. Here, it's just... Tackleberry, I can't remember anything he does in this. Like, Michael Wynn's like, literally, I can't remember a single thing it, he does. He, 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 he keeps trying to do the things, and then Christopher Lee, which is amazing that Christopher Lee's in this movie, yeah. actually notices he's doing it every time he's doing it, and at one point throws yeah. something at him and stop him doing it. So it's almost yeah. like the film is saying, no, you're annoying, stop it. Stop it, yeah, yeah. It's... I, I, it, yeah, I mean, it, it is the death now. Yeah. And it was direct to TV in the US, wasn't it? I think it did go direct to TV in the US, yeah, and it came out in the cinema over here, yeah. Yeah, so, which isn't a surprise. It's, it, it's I mean, it's terrible, but I, it's the first one where Harris actually is in on the action yeah. in, in the end sequence. I mean, they've even gone that far that... Harrison is now just the lovable idiot instead of the one who's trying to undermine everybody actively all the time. And, you know, he doesn't even have Proctor here. No, I mean, well, he, he was... He was originally supposed to be a smaller character in it, but he took on a lot of um, Hightower's, you know, scenes, essentially. Yeah, I can see that. It's, it, I mean, it, it, I, I, obviously, definitely shit. Definitely but, shit, yeah. Um... We don't know what the next marathon's going to be. No, we don't. Do we even know what next week's film's going to be? It's either Tomorrowland or Poltergeist. Yeah. Well, we'll decide that at some point. No, go on. What's your preference? I don't care. 
I, I, I don't either, to be honest. What's, what certificate is Poltergeist? 15. 15. Being a yeah, that's, that's all I'm thinking. I can, I, can, I can take Izzy, you see. So, yeah, it's, it's a 15, because the original one... Yeah, it's 15. Probably tomorrow I'll land then, maybe. I don't know, I'll discuss it with Bex to see what she wants to do. <laughs> Oh, I, genuinely, I'm I'm all right to do either. Like neither of them are getting particularly good reviews. No, but, not, are they? I mean, well, I'm probably saying more towards Poltergeist than than than, than Tomorrowland because I, I just I kind of just don't want to see that. Yeah, I mean, I kind I am as well. Just it, it's still keen. I mean, like I like Brad Bird, but the the, the reviews for Tomorrowland are basically the ambition's nice, but it just doesn't work. So I. I'm I'm kind of more intrigued by Poltergeist just because of the cast but and also like it was it was kind of interesting as well. Um, a friend of ours, um, Jonah, he um, I saw him at the weekend and he was just like, oh, "Have you seen the the trailer for Poltergeist?" And he and his wife were just like absolutely terrifying, and she was just like, "I don't even want to see it in the cinema." And they they they're okay with their horror these two. And, like, it, it's weird. It's going to be intriguing to see how the general populace react to Poltergeist, because he specifically brought up the Poltergeist trailer and said he thought it looked scary as shit. So, uh, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm intrigued. I, I am intrigued. I'm actually intrigued by that more than Tomorrowland. Yeah, we'll do that then. I'm, I, I'm totally up for that. Cool. All right, we'll do Poltergeist then. So, uh, next week's doing Poltergeist. Twitter questions, or do you need to go? Uh, we can do Twitter questions. Yeah, we can do them. Okay. Um, have you got them? Ah, uh, no. My my phone my phone just crashes whenever I seem to do anything else. So uh, I've got yes, I've got um, from Tom at Very Cinematic. Uh, Simon Pegg says we're all too infantile. So what's your view on the transatlantic trade and investment partnership? <laughs> I don't have one because I'm absolutely fine with where my pop culture sensibilities are. Thank you very much. I don't need Simon Pegg telling me that I'm wrong and I also don't need a man who has made his living off of people like me for the last 15 years now bemoaning the fact that people like me exist. He makes some very salient points in that long po- blog post he made, but the only reason why he made that post is because people kicked off about what he said at first. What he said at first obviously had an element of truth to it and frankly if he wants to start acting in serious grown-up films don't have your next film be a film, well, your next to next film be a film where you're starring with a talking dog voiced by Robin Williams, you hypocritical shit. Yeah, it, it does seem a little bit like Peg is is doing this, what is a little bit on trend, where it's kind of the nerds have taken over and now they're complaining about the fact that people are still calling them nerds. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's now nerds actually complaining about them being nerds, not wanting to be nerds. So how do they stop being nerds? I know, I'll piss off other nerds. Yeah, and it, 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 it is a li- it's very hypocritical and it's very... Do you know what? If you, if you don't like these movies, don't do them. Don't collect your and checks also, and, it, and bitch and moan about it at the same time. And all like Christopher Eccleston. And mm. you know what? If you if you're going to admit that you're trolling your, your fan base, I don't know. Maybe don't troll your fan base. Yeah. Yeah. Just because you admit that you've done it doesn't mean oh okay that's that's okay then we'll forgive you because you made a long blog post about it. No, you still said that stuff in the first place, and people have a right to be annoyed by what you're saying because you're not Christopher Nolan. You're not 
a Martin Scorsese, like you, you're not Lars von Trier. You're not coming this from a point where you've never ever done a comic booky superheroy type of thing before. You've lived in that. You wrote Paul, which is the most pandering, <laughs> like peon to pop to geeks I've ever seen, and was still terrible. You <laughs> you do not unless you are just saying. Stop it! I'm done with it. If you owned that first statement, Simon Pegg, fair play. Good luck to you. Bugger off. As it is, I actually have less respect for you after that second blog post, even though it had more reason points than the first. Yes, that might sound ridiculous, but no, that's a bad peg. Yeah, uh, and also the uh, transatlantic trade and investment partnership uh, will work if if the benefits are passed down uh, to the consumer, but they won't be. They'll be eaten up by uh, the massive companies, which will only be able to grow bigger because of it. Uh, it is a very good idea in principle, but it will be exploited by big companies, as everything always is. And also, I will just say, Simon Pegg was about the earthquake in Nepal and the British general election, how people were tweeting about those or talking about those in social media. When was he? Also, yes, they were. <laughs> they absolutely were. You're following the wrong people, Simon. Day after, after the general election, I joined the Liberal, Liberal Democrat Party. Mm. We've also got... Uh... Fury Road, Imar and Joe show Tom Hardy that it definitely is possible to speak clearly through a mask. But what accent do you reckon he was going for? Kept changing what little he spoke. I'm guessing they mean Tom Hardy. Well, I'm not Joe. Oh, uh, Tom Hardy. I think, I think he means Tom Hardy. And that's from uh, Dean Horamore, um, who is uh, Dean York 12 uh, on Twitter. Uh, yeah. And uh, what I would say there is, uh, what accent was he going for? I don't know, actually. I think he was going for a slightly, slightly Australian-y tinged one. Maybe. I'm not yeah, sure. I mean, Max is what I'm going to say. Know, uh, yeah, fair enough. Hardy's not great with accents. Lock. He does the weirdest Welsh accent I think I've ever heard. Oh, actually, Even though people are saying in reviews that it's a flawless Welsh accent, it's not. Well, the, the, the um, strange thing is, it's really not. He sounds exactly um, like my mum's uh, husband's brother-in-law, uh, who I got sat next to at a wedding, um, and he sounds exactly like exactly like him to the point where it was weirding me out listening to him because I kept is he Welsh? Him. Yes, he is. Yeah, um, and that the wedding the wedding was actually the first time he'd been out of Wales. Wow, it's I've lived in Wales for six years and it's not any Welsh accent I've ever yeah. heard. I don't know. Fair I'm not saying it's, 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 it's a flaw, but it, 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 it sounded exactly exactly like him because it was freaky listening to it uh, and that's that's all the all the questions we've had okay cool so poll guys what we've been watching probably won't do a marathon next week we might just do some extended what we've been watching or something i, I will we'll talk about it but um yeah at ian loring at dude monkey at uh, dude Foz, dude monkey at gmail.com official podcast the film around the credit uk and i am done you I am indeed done. Enjoy the rest of your holiday, Ian, and we'll speak to you all later. Cheers, guys. Nice one, guys. See you next week. Bye-bye.